Hey everyone, Mike here. Please be advised that this episode contains some explicit language. As always, grab a cup of tea and thank you for listening to the Tea with Mike show. It's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, Morgan Nelson, who has built a six-figure online business in the networking marketing space. He's the host and founder of the podcast Dream Out Loud Experience. He's also a public speaker and he's also the author of Money Powers Podcast. Welcome to Tea with Mike, Morgan. What's up, Mike? So good to be here with you, mate. Yeah, I'm I'm excited uh, uh, to do this with you. Obviously connecting uh, globally today, right? From Canada uh, to Queensland, Australia. All the way down under. I love it. Perfect. So uh, let's start with uh, where did you grow up and uh, what do you now call home? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I kind of grew up between Brisbane, Australia and Gold Coast, Australia, where I am right now. So kind of like in this, this suburban part of Australia, kind of my young childhood. Then we moved down to the beach, close to the beach for my like teenage years. And then I, when I was 23, I booked a one-way ticket overseas. I went to LA Tried to live in LA for a little bit, lived in Miami for a little bit, then traveled Europe for a little bit and then found home in Mexico because I always wanted to go to Mexico and live there. So I spent a little while living there on the beaches, having tequila, margaritas, tacos, sunset surfing. I was loving it. And then I spent uh, about that, that led to about three, three and a half year journey living all around the world, mostly in Bali, Indonesia, which is fantastic. And now I've done a full circle back here to the Gold Coast because uh, I... Corona kind of locks me down here and now I've just been loving it and making home again back here. So I'm back, back where I started. Fantastic, man. So what, what were some of your favorite things to do growing up and why? Mm, I think growing up, <clears throat> growing up, I always used to be on my bike. Like, like I'd, I, I remember I would always be outside. Like I was never a kid to grow up playing like video games or anything like that. I was always wanting to be outside, like enjoying my life, enjoying like every single second I could. So I remember I always used to, yeah, just, I would always be asking for a new bike for Christmas. Sometimes I'd get it, sometimes I wouldn't, you know, so I'd be taking my bike out and just doing like jumps. So pretty much anything that I could do that would make my parents freak out and wonder, has he broken something on him again today? Uh, it was always shit like that. And so have you ever broken any uh, bones in your body? surprisingly i've only broken my collarbone and that was when i was two years old i don't even remember doing it i fell off a freaking chair at time zone like a game space and my parents have always just told me like you did this i was like fuck i don't remember um and then i broke my nose uh once (laughs) kind of by like accident so would it be fair to say that you uh, were quite an adventurous uh, child growing up definitely definitely i think that's probably where like now I've just gotten older, more freedom, more money. Uh, so my, my adventures have gotten bigger where it used to be I'd, I'd wake up on the weekends and I'd just be gone. Like I'd, I'd take my bike and I'd go out and my parents wouldn't see me back until the sun's down. Like, cause like back in my day growing up, you know, we, we just had to go out. And as long as we were back before the sun was down, we were okay. You know, if we came back when it was dark, we were in shit, you know? Um, so that's definitely where the adventures uh, started from and came from and now it's just turned into I'm gonna book a one-way flight somewhere and I don't know when I'll come back. Obviously we're talking about adventure so what would you say the biggest adventure that you've been on so far? 
Hmm. Biggest adventure I've been on so far. I, I, I guess it, it could have been just when, you know, when I was 23 years old, I created financial freedom. And my girlfriend at the time, she was American and she got deported from Australia. And yeah, that happened. And then, so she was freaking out. She goes, what should I do? What should I do? Blah, blah, blah. And, and then we're also like, well, are we going to see each other and all this? And I just said to her, I was like, you know what? Like, I didn't mind LA. LA is pretty cool. I like Santa Monica. I said, why don't you go get a ticket to LA? Because they, they deported her from Australia, right? So she had to go back to, she was doing like a visa run. So she flew from Malaysia back into Australia. So they, they deport you back to the city you came from. So they'll kick her back to Malaysia, right? So here she is in Malaysia. Had like 70 bucks to her name because she spent it all traveling. And she's like, what the hell do I do? So I said, let's book your flight, go to LA and screw it. Like, I'll just quit my job. I'll book a one-way ticket and I'll come meet you. And that was probably the biggest adventure. Like, cause that one-way ticket turned into three and a half years traveling around the world, living all across the States. Like I think I've now traveled to man, at least like 10 or 12 different States in the U S um, down through central South America, across Europe, Asia, um, you know, back here a bunch of, bunch of times and then finally came back and it was funny like when i did come back last year it's like people were like so are you living here now and i said <laughs> yeah i think so like for so long i didn't have a home i was just like i would go wherever i felt i'd sleep at airports i'd sleep in airbnbs i'd sleep you know friends houses like wherever because i didn't want to lock in anyway i was just everywhere i was just up for i could wake up tomorrow take my suitcase and go to a new country if i felt like and i loved the freedom of that so that Amazing. was probably the biggest adventure. That's a, that sounds uh, re really cool. And it, that's one of my goals is uh, to do some uh, more traveling post-pandemic. I think the pandemic really uh, knocked, it, knocked, it, knocked the peg into place for me. It's like about not getting entrapped into uh, like where you, where, you, where you live and the importance of t taking time mm. away f from work and spending it with family. You don't always realize when you're living in the day-to-day -day and it's... You somehow gotta open your mind up to looking at the big picture like all the time right what's really important yeah, absolutely i think i think covid's taught a lot of people a lot of things and you know this has definitely been a chance for most people to grow through it and create a new identity and create new rules for life and to create new habits um new gratitude perhaps and it's also given people a reason to just hate more blame more and complain more and unfortunately unless those people are willing to take responsibility for where they are in life, then they're never going to be able to look over the other edge and create something that they really want. Um, but I know for me, like when I came back, I was like far out, like, like my whole business was built off events and I, all my events stopped and I was like, fuck. So, uh, and then I just thought, and usually I was meant to like, my life was travel. I'd been like, you know, at any given month, sometimes two or three different countries in a month, you know, and, and that's just how I like to do it. And next minute I was, I was told I can't travel anymore. I was like, what, oh, what's this all about? So I had to adapt and I was like, and so I just looked at it. I said, well, how can I find some joy here? Like what I want to create a story through this, that when this is all over, I came out and because of this, I had now created this. And then I, that's when I sat down and because I had all this free time in my hand, I was like, well, I'm not traveling anymore. I'm just at home. What can I do? And that's when I started my podcast. I started my podcast. That's now turned into like a global events company. Funny enough, I've now built another events company out of it. Um, you know, it's going to be a great story, but there's lots of people out there that are complaining and all this about it. And it's like, you know, the, the more you complain, it's not going to change anything. All you can do is adapt to what is and create your own reality in that. And, and I was prepared to, I was like, what if I can never leave Australia ever again? What, what am I going to do? 
and you just keep complaining about it and being sad about it for the rest of my life? Or am I going to take ownership, responsibility and look at what can I create here and how can I create, how can I make the most out of what I actually do have? Like if you look at people in like Africa and like when I lived in Bali, like these, these villages and stuff have next to no money, but they're just so happy. So freaking happy. They've, they'll never get on a plane and go to another country. And like I've been to villages in, in um, Fiji, it's the same thing. Like they have next to no money, but they're so happy because they just go, well, this is what I do have. How can I make the most of it? How can I get connected with people? How can we just enjoy nature and enjoy life and enjoy this time we have here instead of comparing to everything else that we don't have and focus on what we do have? Fantastic. And we're definitely going to obviously dive uh, deeper into your story to learn more about your podcast and all of those yeah. uh, cool things. I wanted to ask you, what were some of your favorite and least favorite subjects in school and why? <laughs> My favorites were anything that I was good at. So sport and music, prac. So I could, I could play sport and I could play music, but anything writing, any like theory, I would, we call it wagging school. Like I don't know what you guys call it. It was skip class, skip, you know, especially once we got older and me and my friends started to get a car license, like any subject I didn't like, we're out. We're like, we'll get in the car, we'll just go. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years of school, like we we're borderline, like they literally sat me and a few of my mates down and they said like, you guys, like you're on your last straw, like you won't see the end of this year, you won't graduate. I'm like, mate, I didn't sit through 12 years of school to not graduate. I want to come to this big ass party. So like, you can't kick me out of school now. You know, like that's, that's the only reason I was staying for the parties and the girls. Right. And so and all that happened, but we, yeah. Favorite subjects was music and sport. Cause that, that was fun. Uh, what I really didn't like, what I didn't like the most, probably English, probably maths. And at one time, we had to do some really crappy subject. It was like, it was like computer programming or something. And that's like, Oh, like ICT. Yeah, it was ICT. That's exactly what it was. I don't know how on earth I got ended up in that subject, but I hated it with a passion. And this, it, it taught me so much. Like back in school, I used to think that I was dumb and I used to think that, you know, other people were better than me and all this stuff. Cause that's, they, it's like they throw, they get all these different people and they judge them all according to the one task. And it's like, uh, if you judge, I think, well, I might be completely wrong here, but I think Einstein said it might be wrong. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life thinking that it's stupid. And that was what was always for me. Like I, I in the subjects like that, wherever other people were getting, and I just could not get it. Like still to this day, I loathe anything like that. Like I just outsourced it. I'm like, I don't want to play with any, like we we're trying to play around with Skype before this. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I, I can't do it, you know? And you know, but for a while there, I, that put me in a position to think that I wasn't very good, you know, and now I understand that learning styles are so different, you know, I'm not someone who can listen and look at things like that and fix it. Like I needed to play with it. I need like kinesthetic. I, you know, that's how I learned. That's why I was good at music and sports and speaking now and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I, you, you, well, you definitely don't know this, but I'm uh, dyslexic. So I have I'm very, I'm a very visual learner. It's all about uh, repetition, you know, and so, and so I struggled in large parts of my school career because I didn't know I had some of these underlying learning challenges, uh, which like put me back from maybe some from other people because it took me it took me like eight times as long to uh, learn things and uh, do the piece of work, and I'm like, how are all these people on five sports teams? like on a party every weekend and 
and still getting good grades and I'm over here like working my ass off for like no reward right and then just mm-hmm. go, and then just, and then just going back further uh, the the word that we call it when you skip classes was uh, skiving the scamming skiving skiving that's an interesting word I've never heard that one yeah it's a very British term I believe take a, a little pause uh, so on every episode of uh, tea with mike we have a, a staple tea factor just an opportunity uh, to educate people on the world of tea so today's tea fact is originally root beer was called root tea it was created in the late 19th century by a pharmacist called charles elmer hires who lived in pennsylvania Although in truth, he got the idea while staying at a hotel in uh, New, New Jersey, uh, where they uh, served root tea. Uh, it was served ready steeped, uh, much like tea was. So it's always cool to see what you can learn about the world of tea. If you started an, an apprenticeship in uh, carpentry, uh, like post-school, so why carpentry? Yeah, that's a funny question. I, I traveled Europe when I when I finished school, I, I started making some money and doing whatever I could to make some extra cash, right? And then um, my friend comes to me one day and he says, he said, dude, we're, we're going to Europe, me and my family, we're going to Europe for Christmas and New Year's this year. I said, fuck yeah, I'll come. And this was in September, right? So he's like, in September, we're going in December. And I said, okay, cool. I said, how do we do this? I was 18 years old. I was like, how do I do this? So we go down to flight center and we, I, can we book some flights to Europe? Maybe it's like, where do you want to go? I said, I don't know, like uh, France, Paris, Germany, <laughs> like somewhere. So we, we booked these tickets. I use all the money in my bank. I booked my, I booked my plane ticket, return ticket right now. I've got two months in Europe but I've got, and now I've got September, October, November, like four months to save for it. I'm like far out. So I got to work, made all the, I made as much money as I possibly could. I created a new business, like lowing, mowing lawns and landscaping and all this kind of stuff. It was so dodgy, but I was just making all this cash. And so I saved this money. I went and traveled Europe for my best mates two months. It was freaking amazing, like total freedom to be able to wake up each day and go, where do I want to go today? What do I want to do today? Let's go on a train. Let's just go anywhere, new country. It was just, it was so amazing. I was so grateful for it. And then, so I came back from that, 18 years old, came back from total freedom, back to living at my mom's house. And I remember, and I was like, man, I just want to do that again. Like that sucks. Now it sucks. I'm back to reality. Now what? Like now what? And my mate calls me up and he goes, hey, Morgz, I heard you back. Do you want a job? I said, yeah, well, I do need one of those things. What do you got? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, uh, you want to be a chippy? I said, what the fuck is a chippy? <laughs> he goes, a carpenter. I said, laying carpets. <laughs> I said, I don't think so. And he goes, no, like building houses, like carpenter, like building them with the timber and then cutting and nailing. I said, oh, that'd be pretty cool. Like I've always used to build cubby houses and stuff growing up. That'd be, that'd be pretty dope. Imagine it. I, yeah, I'd give it a go. So he just linked me up. He's like, go meet this guy. He's going to give you a job. Um, go, and, go and do like a trial. So I jumped on the work site and I was like, this is awesome. Wearing boots and building things, cutting things, nailing things, nail gun, listen to music in the sun. I was like, this is great. I don't mind this for a job. Like I finished at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And then what happened was this. It was literally my first day of work. I go there. I drive about 45 minutes to get to the job site. And I was already over it. I was like, this sucks. I get there i felt really out of place because i was 18 everyone's like tradies and working my ass off I had no idea what we're doing then it was 3 30 in the afternoon so we've been working since six o'clock okay so nine and a half hours in today the boss says to me hey you can go you can go home early today because it's your first day 
I said, this is early. I said, what's a normal day? He said, usually 4.30 or 5. I'm like, so we're working, what, 10, 11 hours a day? He goes, yeah. Okay, how many days a week do we do this? He goes, five days, usually six. I go, then I asked myself in my head, how many years do I do this for? And the answer was until the day you die. Because it makes sense. We need money to survive. And if we don't find a way to make money while we sleep, we'll work until the day we die. And then I just looked at that and I said, do I love this now? And the answer was yes. And I was like, well, I love this in 20 years. Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Do I really want to go to work every single day, sacrifice what I truly want to do short term to make some cash so then I can just pump it back into a holiday once a year because that's what, what I really want to do is just have freedom and travel. And that's what I was. I was like, do I go to work six days a week to make money to then just go spend it to redo it over and over and over? Or do I start finding ways to make money uh, work for me? All right, so that, that's how I fell into carpentry. It, was, it wasn't planned, it just, it just happened. So it was a complete accident. Yeah, totally. Like I, I thought I was going like carpets. So, so let's let's carry on the on the story. So you like, and they say cutting it for me. I don't want to die like work, mm -hmm. working on a on a building site. So talk us, tell us a little bit more about the journey from the apprenticeship uh, to being introduced to network marketing. Yeah. So. So here I was 18 years old and everybody around me was just negative. People were drinking. It was toxic. We we're getting into fights all the time. Like I was getting thrown in the, we call it the watch house over here. It's like the weekend jail, uh, like all the time. And, and, and it was, it was just crazy. It was, a, it was a crazy environment. And that was 18, 19, 20, 21, really. Like it was just crazy years. And what was, what was happening was that that's all I knew. That was the environment I was in. It was toxic. And so I started to look around though. And I started to look, okay, what's, what's going to be my future here? When I do get qualified, it takes you four years to become a carpenter. When I do get qualified, what's going to be my goal? I'm not going to work for somebody. Am I going to create my own business? And I'm like, all I know is carpentry. So I'm going to create my own carpentry business. So then at least I get to be the boss. But then I saw my boss every single day. He would go to work with us. Then he would go home and do paperwork. And I was like, I don't want to do that either. So I started looking further. I was like, what if I start building my own properties and creating like a property portfolio and, and things like that? Maybe, you know what? And if I can retire by the age of 45, then I'm so happy with that. That was my goal. So I was always looking for different ways to make extra money. Sometimes they were legal and sometimes they were not so legal, right? <laughs> but I'll just do anything that I could. And, and, I, was, and I, was, I was making extra money. And uh, so I always had my eyes open for opportunities. And a friend of mine who was in, a friend of mine who was in, um, he was in property and stuff like that. And I saw him just doing some, uh, I, I saw him doing network marketing on the side, right? I saw him doing all of this. Yeah, I, I met my friend, uh, my friend Reese, he, he was in the property and everything. And he was, uh, you know, he was doing, he was always willing and dealing. He was doing things to make money. He was in property, he was investing. And then next when he goes, I am making money online doing this thing. You should come check it out. And I said, absolutely. Like, let's go have a look at it. I went and caught up with him and I said, dude, this is the pyramid scheme. This is a scam, blah, 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 blah. And, and then what I realized was I had really big opinions, but a very little bank account. It was a very <laughs> quick correlation between those two. So I went along to this event and I saw it and I saw all these people there. I thought it was a cult. And this was the thing. This is how closed-minded I was. I was so closed-minded to think that anyone doing well in life, it had to be something weird. It had to be a scam. It had to be a cult. And what I realized was like, everything's a freaking cult. Like, Everything's a culture, right? Like, you know, we either, we go hang around with entrepreneurs. We have an entrepreneur cult. Like we hang around with other entrepreneurs, podcasters. We like, you know, we're always hanging around different people. The thing is this, you need to choose your cult. 
like because people like before i started all this my cult was people that would just do uh drugs drink and fight people now my cult is people that support people help the world make an impact you know so you, you gotta choose that so i went along to this thing i had no idea about it but i i, I decided to be a little bit more open-minded i decided to be more open-minded about it um and fair enough, like sure enough it was it was freaking amazing i saw the, the products they had I, I got more energy from the products it was just in, incredible and i just started to see other young people use this as a vehicle to create freedom they were traveling the world they were living the life they wanted they were impacting people they were donating the charities they were doing all this amazing stuff and for so long i still thought this was just gonna be my vehicle to create some extra income i was like oh if i could make some extra income from this and then uh, make properties, I you know build properties and stuff like that's still my end goal. My end goal was still, I'm gonna be a carpentry boss. But it wasn't until at least about one or two years into it when I started to understand residual income and how you can do the work one time and get paid again and again and again and again and again forever. And I just thought, man, I wanna, I wanna do this full time. Imagine if I could do this full time. I started meeting people making six figures a year, seven figures a year. And I was just like, this is crazy, you know? And they were living a life by design. and. So I just went all in with it. And that's when I, I, I fully decided like, this is what I'm gonna do to create my freedom. And I freaking went for it. Then when I was 23 years old, um, I created financial freedom. So I was making enough money per week residually to completely live a uh, life of choice and freedom. It was awesome. That's, that's when I moved overseas. Nice. And so so as you're going along at this um, journey and this path of discovery, was the goal always to just make enough money to survive initially and have enough like to uh, to go to like traveling yeah it was a very interesting thing like obviously the goal was always to make a lot of money like the goal was always like of course you got to make so much money but then for me like eventually along the way everybody's got different values and for some like it, it comes down to what does success mean for you and for some people success means you're gonna be making a million bucks a year a million bucks a month where for me at the time success just meant not having to go to a job like if i could just be able to wake up in whatever country i want i got enough money to live where i want pay all my bills travel and just enjoy my life with like if that was my if that was my if the income sat at that forever i wouldn't be happy with that either i wouldn't be that successful but however what i really wanted more was the freedom to be with my girlfriend at the time live in mexico as 23 years old when most people can't do that shit in their lifetime you know for me, I would rather be doing that. Like I was more successful. I think at the time I was only making like a thousand bucks a week or something. I consider myself way more successful living in Mexico at 23 years old, free to do whatever the hell I wanted than my other friends who are making six figures a year working 60 hours a week in a corporate job they hated. They have one day, two days of freedom a week. I was way more successful than them. But now I've now used that vehicle to build it into a six-figure income. And now I've got multiple things happening. So, of course, I'm going to keep building and creating more and more income. However, I, I build my life around like a life by design. Like what I what I find successful is being able to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it with whoever I want to do it with. And I got a pretty damn cool life like that. And sometimes people can fall into the trap of success having to be going and getting the lambos and the rolex and all this bullshit like it's so much so much fake shit on social media and i think it's it's pushing because certain people get motivated by that absolutely certain people really want that and that's awesome like i want a fucking rolex and a lambo but i'm not losing sleep because i don't have it yet i don't feel like i'm less than because i don't have it yet like i'll go get it one day and it'll be awesome absolutely but i'm not going 
far out. I'm not successful yet because I don't have a Lambo. Right. You know, like I'm I'm going, what does success mean for me? Like today, like yesterday was a Thursday and I took my jet ski out uh, with my girlfriend and we just went out. We anchored the jet ski in the middle of the ocean, right? Like near the shore, put on flippers, snorkels and just went snorkeling all near the rocks and stuff. On a Thursday, middle of the day, it was the most beautiful day here on the Gold Coast. The water was crystal clear. While other people are at work, like who the fuck else can do that? You know, so I that's success for me. So obviously it, it takes time to shift to shift your mindset. So is there like one one factor that helped push you further and further down at this path? Was it in terms of maybe surrounding yourself with different types of people? Definitely. You know, I always said that there's four pillars to creating your dream life. And the first one is the right environment. The second one is the right vehicle. The third one's the right timing. The fourth one's the right you. So everything starts with the right environment. And there's two kinds of environment. It's ex external environment and internal environment. So the first thing I started to do, like if someone's listening to this and like, well, I want to create a better life. Where do I start? You know, you need to look at the people around you. Like who, who's around you? What are you listening to? And we got our five senses, okay? So it's not just the physical people around you, but what's the information that you're consuming on a day-to-day -day basis? What are you watching? What podcasts are you listening to? What are you watching on YouTube, Netflix? Are you what, like all this kind of shit is coming into our life. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast tells me that you're already kind of in the right direction anyway, right? Because you listen <laughs> to Mike every day, you know, it's, you're, in the, you're in a good spot there. Um, you know, but, but if you're still kind of consuming the news and you're listening to negative people, especially this, this is what one of my mentors said to me once. He goes, Morgan, never take advice from broke and unhappy people because they've got a problem for every solution. You know, so like the people who you take advice from is really going to determine where you end up in the next five years. And that's one thing I've, I've always like just been so curious. Don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade positions with. So the, the environment is the biggest thing, you know, the physical environment, but then you got internal environment. Like what's your internal representations of the world? What, what are your beliefs? So sometimes people believe like, how about this? What this is very relevant right now. There's, there's kind of two sides happening in the world right now, isn't there? There's anti-vaxxers and then there's pro-vaxxers. There's people that are saying, I'm not putting that shit in my body. You're all crazy. This is a scam. We're getting done by the government blah, blah, blah. Then there's other people going, I can't believe what you're doing. You're putting all of us at risk. If you don't get a vaccine, then fuck you pretty much. Right. And right. people are just so, so, it's, and there's, so this is two beliefs. So this is people's internal beliefs of the world, their model of the world. So let's take the pro-vaxxers, for example, we had huge uh, protests in the streets here. Get this. This is the, this is the funny thing about it. There was big protests in the streets here just a few weeks ago. Some, they, they said about five or 6,000 people went in one city, okay? And, and then a few days later, we went into another city lockdown, okay? But we had all the vaxxers, the pro-vaxxers coming out saying, this is your fault. If you just got a vaccine, if you stop protesting, blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're getting so angry because they believe that if you're protesting against it, you're creating this disaster. But one week prior, a football game happened with a stadium filled with 50,000 people. Right. So, but that was okay because their belief in their internal environment believes that if you're protesting and you're going against what I believe in, then that's bad. And people don't understand that. And I'm not having a go and, and I haven't publicly voiced where I stand because, you know, like I stand in my own space, which is fucking happiness and joy, you know, 
and and peace and i just think if you if you side with anything and you have your own like it's just, it's just crazy but then the other people as well it's like all the people that are going against all the pro-vax is going you guys are insane like don't you know it's you know it's just so what i'm trying to get across is here we have that two environments the external and the internal and the internal environment is all comes down to what do we believe to be true about the world so we believe something to be true we're going to shape that as our reality our, our brain our reticular activating system is going to find information all the time to show that we are true because it wants to prove that we're right all the time so if, if i if we say like i believe all young like let's say if there's an old person again okay, an old person's like i believe that all millennials are assholes and they have that belief what do you think they're going to find they're going to find their reticular activating system says okay you got it i'm going to find you all the information out there that proves this to be true because that's what you believe. So next minute, they're going to go bump into 10 millennials. Nine of them are amazing. Nine of them are really kind. One's an asshole. They, they're invisible to the nine, but they notice the one. And then they go, see, I told you, all millennials are assholes. And it, and it reinforces this environment. So how we can start to manage this better is, is get clear on what are, our, what are our global beliefs? What do we believe to be true about what's happening? Because what we believe to be true about what's happening is actually what's happening internally. So how can we really kind of start to repair our own environment is clear up all this shit inside of us that we still haven't dealt with. Clear up all the things, the shame of the past. Clean up the, clean up the guilt, clean up the anger, the hate, the hurt, the fear, the sadness of all these negative emotions from the past because that's all it is. Like perhaps... Most of the time, I always joke with this one if, because um, I'm a millennial, <laughs> so you, right? It's like if we, I always joke with, with my parents and stuff. I say, you know, the ones who knock our generations forget who raised it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because what it is, it's a past projection. So I'm just, I'm just, this is the first time I've ever actually used this as an example. The millennials and like call it like the boomer generation, okay? There's that rivalry on social media. And it's because, they're probably triggered by a lot of millennials because that's who they used to be. They used mm, to be little shit as well, you know? And the thing is, the reason that they can see all of that happening is because they still see it in themselves. They haven't come to peace and been okay with that. You know, once I was a little shit and that's okay and I still love myself for that because I was growing, but they still actually hate that part about themselves. So they bring it up and they see it continuously in the world. So how we can actually start to you know, shift our own world is get around better people. Cause we, if we, if we physically get around better people, we're going to start to identify their model of the world. So when I started to hang around millionaires, I shifted from rich people aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with actually rich people are really generous. All the rich people I know are really freaking kind. All the rich people I know live a really great life. Cause I started to see a different world physically. So I started to believe it internally where before I wouldn't hang around any rich people, I'd hang around negative people and they will believe that rich people are assholes, yada, yada, yada. You know, so you start to develop this internal world. So your external world is going to represent what's happening internally. Your internal world is going to happen what's happening externally. Fast way to change it, start putting good shit inside your head. Start, start listening to the things, surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to do and are where you want to be. And I, and I take it uh, basically the two or three points that you made right at the end there uh, is what is what ends is how you came up with the idea of uh, the four pillars. Yeah, well, it, the the idea just sort of happened, right? Because one day I just sat down and somebody said, how have you done what have you done? And I said, I don't know. Let's have a look at it. 
first thing I did was I changed my environment because there was a time when I was around really negative people, drinking, partying, drugs, uh, getting arrested, all that. I shifted my environment. I stopped attracting that kind of stuff. That was a clue. I, I shifted my environment. I started to attract better opportunities in my life. I started to be happier. It was amazing. Next thing I had to do was you need a vehicle. So if, so if you're looking for some kind of financial success, you need some kind of vehicle, right? So I found network marketing. Now I have many other vehicles. Like I, I help people monetize a podcast. That's one of my other vehicles. I help people build, build and scale online coaching businesses. Like that's another vehicle, right? So there's so many vehicles out there. The run is just to find what's the right one for you. And, and it really kind of comes down to what, what, are you, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? What do you like doing? And what are you happiest at? That's the key. When people are like, well, what, I don't know what I should be doing. I'm a little bit lost. Let's just go, what are you happy? When are you, when are you the happiest? What are you doing? What is that? I'm like, well, traveling. Cool. How can you create an income around traveling? Like that's what I've done, right? So you need to look at that. And then the, the next one is the right timing. So the right timing is really deciding. So, so often people think about their dream life. They think about creating this thing, this thing they want. And they're like, I'll have that when I do this. I just going to finish my degree first. When I finish uni or when the kids grow up or when I do this, then I can start doing it. And so you know, the only time we have is right now. And now that moment's gone. And now we've got now. And then we've got now. So the only time <laughs> to really make any kind of decision is right freaking now. So I really kind of like in my programs and coaching and stuff, I, I, I get people to a point where like I, I kind of like mentally and physically push them against a wall where they, they have to make this decision because nothing's going to change in life until you make the decision. Because in the word decide, it has another word in it, decide. And in Latin, that means uh, death. It means to kill. So when you make the decision, you are deciding to kill all other options other than what you want to happen. And until you're ready to make that decision and really go all in, and what this is, it's a different frame of mind. It's, instead of saying, I'm going to try this thing. It's like, I'm doing this thing until it works. That's the difference. And it's getting people to, this, to bring so much pain into their life right now that the point of not changing is more painful than actually taking the step. Because most we're always trying to avoid pain. That's what humans do. We avoid pain and gain pleasure. The thing is, most people associate taking action right now, stretching their comfort zone as painful. So, okay, well, yeah, would I, I, I could start that business or I could do that thing, but I, I don't like talking to strangers or, you know, I don't want to give up Netflix. You know, so they, <laughs> that's painful. That's painful for me, right? And that's how they associate it. So, okay, well, it's easier for me to stay right here right now. But what they don't realize is 10 years down the line, what's going to be the repercussions of taking no action for the next 10 years? They could be living a really miserable shit life they're not happy with. But however, they can't visualize it. They can't imagine it now because it's so far away. So I get them to do is really associate themselves now as what's actually going to happen if they continue to make no changes. And once they can see that far out, me by doing nothing today is more painful than me actually doing something, then we create some leverage and create some change. And the last thing is becoming the right you. We have our right values, beliefs, and attitudes. So our values make up every single decision that we make. Like, like, like one of my highest values is adventure. So I like to go on an adventure and have fun. And that's, that's what I do. One of my highest values is success. So I like to create success. Um, you know, and one of my highest values is love. So let's say if somebody asked me, like, it's a bad example, because I say yes to everything. Let's say if somebody's, <laughs> if, if someone really values security as their top one, and I say to them, like my dad really values safety and security. If I said to dad, Hey dad, let's go skydiving. He would rather die than skydive. 
Right, he's like, no, no he, chance. Because he, he thinks it, he thinks it's, it's too risky, right? So why yeah, if it, it all goes wrong? Yeah, it go it it goes against what he values. So subconsciously, he doesn't even know what he values, but I know what he values safety and security. So to make the decision of skydiving doesn't make sense internally to him at all. Um, now, if I said to somebody like me who values adventure and fun, "Hey, you want to go skydiving?" It's like, of course, absolutely. That's so fun because, like, absolutely, that makes my decisions for me. Now, most people have values set up in the wrong way. They have values that aren't helping them succeed. For a long time, I had values of fun being the top one. So when I had to put time and effort into my business, I didn't want to do it because I'd rather go out and party. So it wasn't until I really got clear and started to shift my values around. Then I started to make different decisions in my life. So your values and your beliefs, like we already started to talk, talk about, like, like in, in internal representations of the outside world is what we believe to be true. And whatever we believe to be true, we're going to find. And whatever we believe, we're going to take actions towards that and we're going to get results determining that. And, and the last one is the attitude. This is the biggest one. Like if people only take one thing from this, if you can just take, if you can start developing an, a winning attitude, then you, when you become relentless, you're going to find a way. You know, I always say there's three kinds of people in the world. There's people who complain about the wind. There's people who hope that the wind will change. They're like, oh, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to visualize. It's just going to change for me. You know, and then the last person just gets up and they change their fucking sales. They're like, this isn't working for me. I'm going to make a shift. I'm going to change, you know, and they adjust like through this with COVID, with Corona. This is happening. Okay. This is actually what's happening. What can we do about it? How can we pivot? How can we change? How, what can, how can we create this the best year ever? When most people are worrying about, oh, everything's going wrong. Ask a different question. You give a different result. Most people are going, how can I survive right now? But other people are going, how can I make this the best year ever? How can I thrive? And you get totally different, but it's just, it's an attitude shift, right? Ask a different question. You're going to get a different result. Obviously, um, I'm, I'm establishing that you're a very uh, self-driven uh, uh, person, but also that obviously life t uh, takes time to uh, turn around and uh, make it, make it better. So what, what, have been, what have been some of the challenges along the way? And have you had any support along the way to help you get to where you are now? Yeah, well, like in, in my team, like mentors have given me a lot of support. Mentors, my team, like, you know, all around. Because like in, in our network marketing team, it's about seeing everybody win, everybody succeed. So there's always someone celebrating success somewhere. It's really, really cool. Um, challenges has been, has been myself, really. It's like going to that next level. That I think our biggest challenge will always be facing off with that next person who we, who we need to become that perhaps we think we're not ready for yet, but the universe or God or, or however is pushing us there, you know? So that, that's always definitely been my challenges is it's getting to a point of going, ah, oh. it's like you go through all this breakthroughs, then you get there and you're like, ah, oh, sweet. Now I can relax. Like I've done the work. It's like, no, you haven't like that. Now he's, now's <laughs> the next mountain, you know? So there's always that, that bit of a challenge of, but, but I love the challenge because how, how, that's how I um, interpret it. I don't interpret a challenge as something bad. I interpret a challenge as this is this has been put here for me to grow. Like I truly just believe that the life, our world is happening for us, not to us. So every single thing that's been put in front of me, I'm like, how amazing is this? That, you know, the universe has throwing me this challenge for me to grow through right now. How great is this? What can I learn? What can I learn here? And how can I teach it to somebody else? What are the kind of some of the, uh, the challenges of uh, network marketing? Obviously, you just mentioned 
uh, there's a big collaboration and uh, team aspect. And so what are some of the new skills um, have you learned about yourself as you've got deeper into network marketing? Yeah, it's definitely leadership. Like to, to grow a successful network marketing business is all about leadership because anybody can go out there and learn the skills of sales and enrolling. But it's like, how do you build a team? How do you build leaders? How do you develop leaders? How do you get work to people's strengths and communicate and all that kind of stuff? So definitely the biggest challenge along the way is me being able to level up as a leader more and more and more because the more that I've done leadership development and grown as myself, my income's grown with it as well. So definitely inside network marketing, if there's any other people listening to this, like, because you can go and get all the other skills, like nearly any company, any good company out there will have a roadmap for you to follow. They're like, when you enroll, it's like, here's how you, here's a system to success. But they'll never teach you how to become the leader you need to be. You need to do that yourself. So if there's anyone listening to this and they want advice on that, it's like you, you guys start reading books or I, I, I got the biggest growth from leadership development courses. So you, you're a very busy person and you do a whole chain of different things. So talk to me a little bit about how you got started in the exciting world that is a podcast. How did that come about? The name of your podcast and all yeah. that types of things. So I, I've always been very passionate about teaching self-development because I've, I've learned and I had such a huge shift in my life um, emotionally and financially from it. So I, I used to teach it to my team all the time and, and, and teach them and teach them. And I, I did always think about having a podcast one day and I just kept letting my own limiting beliefs get in the way of why I couldn't do it. Um, then when I realized that they're all stupid, <laughs> I just sat down last year through when we were in lockdown. I was like, I'm going to create a podcast now. This is where I'm going to do it. And I just sat down and I did it. So I started putting all the content I used to give out to my team for free into a podcast. And uh, I didn't even think it was going to be that much. Like I was just like, oh, it'd be pretty cool. I'm going to start building this thing. And what happened from it was, you know, within my first 90 days, I made my first $25,000 through it. I, I was able to connect with some of the biggest speakers and trainers in my niche that I used to like, look up to and learn from and i've had them on my podcast now and then we even got to collaborate on an event together so the podcast really positioned me in a way as like an authority in my niche where people outside of my company now start to know who i was and what i was all about and now going on nearly a year now i've you know, i've made like a whole bunch of extra income from it. i was like 50k in my first seven months from it i've now speak on multiple stages uh virtual stages and around here in australia now through it had people like Les Brown on my show, Cohen Ray, like some of the, some of the biggest um, speakers and idols in, in the self-development and entrepreneur space have been able to come on. I've been able to network with them and it's, it's just freaking amazing. So now, now it's birthing into, uh, like it's called Dream Out Loud. Um, that, that's the podcast and it's all about just teaching people the, the tips, tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. The self-development mindset and helping them become the person that they need to become in order to live the life that, that, that they want because it's you know it's an 80% internal game. You know, it's success and anything. It's 80% mindset, 20% skills and strategy. Most people think working skills and strategy all the time and it's about like the hustle and the work and the numbers. But it's like if you're not energetically correct, if you don't believe in this, if you're not, if your values aren't aligned, if you're working out of alignment, it's just not going to happen for you. It's going to be a horrible process. So that's, I focus heavily on teaching people all about that stuff.
Cool, and you make it sound very, very exciting and also very rewarding, but the grass is not always green. So what are some of uh, the, uh, the most challenging things about having your own podcast? Uh, relying on people. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> relying on relying on people to like, because I, I have a team that edits it and all that stuff and just operating that. And yeah, it, it just definitely is that. The challenge is definitely just, um, like operating, like is, is the, is the show like, you know, and you'd know this as well. It's like, when you start creating something of your own, no one's going to care about it as much as you. And yeah. that's the thing when you start to sort of delegate tasks and have people start helping you with things, they'll never do it up to your standard. Cause no one can ever do it as good as you. Um, so it's about finding people who can do it as 80% as good as you and letting them do it. So you can focus on what you're good at. But that's definitely been the biggest challenge is like letting some of the control go to other people and then them let me down or you know outsourcing the vas and stuff like that and be like far out like you know yeah it's just that that's been the biggest challenge even today like i've got to talk to my team today because like they're behind and what i need for next week and i'm like where's that guys like come on like you know so that's the challenge of building like like brick and mortar like because i look at the podcast like a brick and mortar business it's it's all that, like actually hiring staff and having moving pieces where network marketing, it's all done for you. So I've come from that space into this world. I'm like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. Like, you know, so, but it's interesting. I'm enjoying the challenge and it's good. So it's just going to help me grow more and more and more and I'm going to get even better at it. And soon enough, there'll be people, well, now I'm down to help people build their podcast as well. Um, we've got nearly 60 people go through my course now and work on one-on-one and groups and stuff, helping them scale and monetize these successful podcasts. And, you know, a mentor once said to me, he's like, I believe that I think he just made up this number, but he just says like, I believe that everything that happens to you is only really about 20% actually for you to learn and 80% for you to be able to teach it to somebody else who's going to have that problem as well. And I'm like, that's a good point. You know? So everything I'm going through right now, I'm like, yes, I'm learning lessons here. However, now all my clients that are coming through building their podcast, they're having similar lessons, but I've already been through it and I can teach them how to get through it better. And so obviously a few moments ago, um, you talked about how the, how having the podcast was almost like a, a springboard um, for creating uh, public speaking opportunities. So how did how, how did you actually uh, get started in public speaking? So talk to us a little bit about that first. Yeah, well, I, I was always doing it for uh, through my network marketing business. Like, you know, I've spoken to crowds of up to 6,000 people in, I think four or five countries around the world. Now I've spoken with like Darren Hardy from success magazine. Um, so I've always had that skill there or well, I not always I've learned that skill over the last few years, but you know, I, I've put myself in those positions. So most people can go start a podcast and, you know, and, and then they started, but when I started it, I actively seeked out people I want to speak with have them on my podcast, build an amazing relationship with and ask the question like, hey, we should do something together. You know, how can I provide value? So, you know, I did that with my friend, uh, Joel Brown last year when he was here. He was here in Australia just for a few more weeks. And I said, dude, we should do an event while we're here together. And he was like, that'd be amazing. I said, because I know that every, these people want to speak at events. And right now there was, a, there was a time where there wasn't much happening. I said, if I can throw an event and get a room together, do you want to come speak at it? And he's like, absolutely. So I got to create my own event and put him at the event as well. And it, it's, it helps with my positioning and stuff. So it's really about just having that tenacity to go after and ask for what you want. And that's something I'm good at. Like I, I see what I want and I ask for it because you can't lose something that you don't have. And so many people are scared to ask for, 
what they want the fear of getting rejected but it's like who cares man like you know like you, you can't lose what you don't have people can only ever say hey thanks so much for asking but no not for me it's not mine okay cool and that's uh, something that as i go through this uh, podcasting journey is something that i'm getting more and more comfortable with the more times i reach out to uh, potential guests and stuff it's it, it's almost like a game isn't it you're gonna get 99 no's but you ultimately only need one yes and there's so many the, the math of the amount of people on the planet states that eventually if you do, do something uh, for, for long enough and you can apply this in many different contexts something's going to happen or in this case someone's going to say yeah yeah absolutely so obviously we've kind of established that you're a very busy uh, person you've got all this business things going on you're helping lots of people you've got the podcast there's some public speaking uh, you're always uh, trying to create the uh, next adventure because I'm determining that you um, I don't like to stay still for very long. You like to keep uh, creating uh, diff different opportunities. So obviously that's going to take a toll on uh, the body, both physically and mentally. So what do you do on a daily basis to look after your physical and mental well-being? Yeah, good question. So um, so the, the network marketing company that I build is a health and wellness company. So we've got some of the most freaking insane products. And I'm super grateful for that because like, if I didn't have these products, I wouldn't have been able to build, you know, do what I, I would have burnt out, man, like years ago, because it, it, it's great. Like these, they're bound to help me work so hard and keep up so much. But every single day I start my morning, I, I have a shake. So the nutritious shake, it's got heaps of good stuff in it that like you need. Um, and I, I take adaptogens. So this is the biggest thing. So adaptogen herbs. So I have like an adaptogen shot every single morning. So this is filled with like things like ashwagandha, burdock root, licorice root, Siberian ginseng, like heaps of good stuff, like natural stuff from the earth of like Eastern Europe and Asia. And these guys have been using this stuff for centuries and to stay alert, to manage stress better, have more energy and, and all of this. So I use this every single day and actually helps with like cortisol levels. It helps, you know, so literally what creates burnout is just the rise of your adrenals, right? It's just you burning them out. All the products I use help recover all that stuff. So I do things like that. I'm very mindful of using tonics and herbs and botanicals to to look after my my adrenals, my cortisol levels and everything because that that, you know, if you don't have health, you got nothing. Like having like a man with all the health in the world has a 100 wishes, or has a million wishes. But a man with no health, he only has one. You know, so most people they spend their time they spend their time trying to make money. And then eventually they spend all their money trying to buy back time because they've let their health get so shit that they're like far out. Like I've got to spend all my money now. I've got to spend all my time to rejuvenate this, to refix this, you know, where I, I'm just always focused on coming from a place of prevention rather than cure. And if you, I guess if you're taking preventative measures, then you're striving, even though you'll never quite you're trying to find that balance right that that happy medium definitely yeah and so what what's next for you both personally and professionally um next to me is what i'm what i'm about to kick off which is the dream out loud i haven't actually figured out maybe you can help me with this it's it's, it's gonna be called the dream out loud experience or the dream out loud method i'm not sure experience but you think experience it's gonna yeah. be like a three-day three-day transformational event yeah if it's transfer if it's transformational definitely definitely experience like method okay. sounds like it's too like coachy and it's boring and 
Yeah, that's, that's and if a you good call point. it experience, it's exciting. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Even though well, there's probably going to be a lot of like key messages like behind it. I'm yeah, sure. that's definitely. what I would do. Well, that that's what it is. So I'm I'm kicking my my first event off here in November uh, in Australia. That no one, you're the first person. This is the first person, the first time I've ever actually spoken about. It. Nobody knows about us yet. Cause it's all in the okay. background. It's gonna be a three day transformational event where I'm actually just birthing. What is the Dream Out Loud experience? What is the whole teaching every single thing I know to take you from where you are to where you want to go and to become that person along the way. So actually helping people identify their passions, their purposes in life, their dreams, and then helping them become the person they need to be to execute on all of that at their highest potential. So I'm super fired up about that. It's going to be amazing. That's kicking off in November. And I'm, I do a bunch of um, online things as well. So I'm about to kick off a six week group coaching program as well. I do that about two times a year. Um, so they fill up super fast. So I'm excited about that as well. So just that really focusing on this message now and, and helping people transform like their mindset emotionally and in every area other than just through my, my network marketing team. Perfect. And so what's one piece of advice you'd like to give someone that's uh, listening to this? One piece of advice would be stop, stop caring what other people think a lot sooner and just go after what it is you really want ask for what you want, be relentless in the pursuit of what you want and get around other people that are also creating the life of their dreams and not and stop spending your time blaming, complaining and justifying and surrounding yourself with people who do the same. Fantastic. And so uh, thanks thanks for being on uh, the Tea with Mike show and I'm super excited uh, to follow your journey and to dive a little deeper in, in into your podcast because one of the things we didn't mention was is it in the t- top 10% for self-development podcast? Uh, it's top 1% globally. Oh, there you go. Top Sorry. Yeah, top, top 1%. 1% globally. And uh, it was number 12 number twelve self-development podcast of all time here in Australia. It was rated as. I don't know how they rate that, but that's somebody sent me that. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, if people want to go check it out, it's called Dream Out Loud. Uh, you can get it on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. It's just filled with nuggets on how to live your dream life and, and you know, transform mentally, emotionally, physically, financially. So. Perfect. Thanks so much yeah. for, for spending some time and telling us a little bit more about what you're up to and also some of the backstory, Morgan. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mike. You're a legend. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys, this was another episode of the Tea with Mike show um, with Morgan Nelson uh, down in Australia. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this podcast. And if you like what you heard, uh, definitely hit that subscribe button. It's the Tea with Mike show.